and welcome to the Audio Armory, an exploration of weaponry through the ages. I'm your local bard, Emily Cardamus. I'm your local blacksmith, Liz Belts. Liz! Emily! How's it going? I'm alive, sort of. That's good. I'm also alive. Woohoo! So we're two for two on that one. Aw, yeah. Are you excited for it to be 30 degrees again tomorrow <laughs> after it being 50 and 60 for two days? I just wanted to go out and be in mm-hmm. the sun, but instead I had to work in a basement all day, and yeah. today I get the day off, and yeah. no, I don't get any sunlight. Because it rained all day. <sighs> it hurts my soul. Thanks for coming to the weather update portion of Audio Armory, where we are sad about the weather. And now, flawlessly, we will transition into this week's topic. Liz, what are we talking about this week? This week we're going to talk about Chinese and Tibetan swords, which has everything to do with the weather, of course. Not at all. Explain to me how. Not at all. I lied. I blatantly lied to you and to our lovely listeners. I'm calling the police. Lying is a crime, Look, it's, and you it was, have to face the consequences. I have no regrets. The consequences are jail. The consequences are jail, and you know what? Can't go to jail if they can't catch me. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to Audio Armory, uh, everybody. That's the end of our episode, because Liz, uh, I don't know, jumped can't off. Can't catch of- me now, coppers! There she goes. <laughs> Liz, before you go get arrested, uh, maybe we should actually talk about Chinese and Tibetan swords. Yeah, maybe. Basically, (laughs) there isn't an immense amount to say in regards to Chinese and Tibetan swords. The reason for that is because throughout the centuries, they really didn't change in design at all, unlike... Oh, okay. I thought you were going to pull some punch like, there aren't any Chinese and Tibetan swords. (laughs) I lied again. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Actually, I lied. <laughs> Everything is a lie. This podcast I fooled you all. Exist. Swords aren't real. Mm-hmm. This podcast you're listening to isn't actually a podcast. It's just static. So, because there had there wasn't like a lot of evolution with Chinese and Tibetan swords, I'm going to hit the two most common designs. There are a few kind of random designs thrown in, but. They were so rare, it's not really worth covering, because they tended to just be decorative anyways. Sure. So, the two most common swords were known as the butterfly um, and the jian. Jian? It's J-I-A-N. I'm not okay. good. I never took Chinese, wouldn't know how to say it. So, it's that. Uh the butterfly, or Chinese double sword, as it's also known as, is very basic in its appearance. It's straight, double-edged sword, and normally has a more rounded point. Uh, sheathed, you would think of like very little of it, uh, but once it's removed, bam. It, not one sword, it two. It two swords stuck together, back to back. Oh. Yeah. Do they detach or something? Yeah, so in order for it to kind of fit in the sheath, these swords almost appeared like the hilt was like cut in half. So they pressed together 
essentially, and then would okay. slide in. They didn't necessarily click together or fit together perfectly or anything, but it gave the illusion, mm-hmm. essentially, of it being one weapon when it was just hidden. I don't know if that was, like, more of an element of surprise sort of thing, or just because, hey, it's easier to carry them in one thing versus carrying them in two things. Sure. So. Practical. Yeah, I would assume that it was for practicality. And also probably like a fun party trick. Like, oh, you thought I just had one sword? Just kidding, now there's two. It's like those pants that look like a dress, but then it's like, no, they're pants. I really, really want those. Those used to be in fashion back when I was in seventh grade. I had a pair, except they only went up to the ankles. I have never seen those before until recently. Oh, well, I I only saw the jumpsuit ones recently, but yeah, I think they called, I can't remember, we had a weird name for them, um, but they were, like, basically made out of, like, spandex or whatever, uh, but they were very flowy. That and uh, dress with pockets, things right. that I want. Well, dress with pockets is just great. Yeah, this is true. Any so dress with, dresses with pox, pockets, uh, two, so, one sword that becomes two swords. Yes. So the weird thing is to try and visualize this as the grips and everything were literally halved. So you have this half round thing that you're holding in your hand. Obviously, it's not the most comfortable thing. Sure. Uh, but like with anything, I'm it's you get accustomed to it. You're using this merely for survival at this point Mm -hmm. uh, when you're in battle regardless of its comfort or discomfort it was still a very deadly weapon in close combat the weapons only averaged about two feet in length though so if it was up against anything longer than that it was a lot more difficult to be fair every every weapon could be a weapon a deadly weapon in close combat if you try hard and believe in yourself and if you draw a trap card, throw down. It helps. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was just like a completely like, other, Oof. like, I was over here in this lane, and then you, like, flew by on the back of a bird, and you were like, look, we're both in cars, and it's like, <laughs> you're not a bird. Like, that's not how that works. Wait, now I am a bird? Versus no, you're being- on the bird. No, now I am a bird. No, you're, it's like the eagles in Lord of the Rings. Anyway, tell me about... <laughs> keep going. <laughs> With these swords only being two feet in length, again, it was it was very difficult to do a whole lot with any sort of range. The mm-hmm. other difficulty with this weapon was the fact that it didn't have much of a cross guard at all. If it did have a cross guard, the Quillians tended to fold actually like, over the hand just ever so slightly. It wouldn't cover the whole hand at all, but it would, when trying to parry or anything like that, the opponent's blade could easily slide off of it and, you know, hit your arm or something. Mm -hmm. So, to me, these weapons didn't seem all that developed defense-wise, but were primarily offensive, which... I feel like there should be more of a balance there, but hey, it depends on fighting styles. And it's very possible that Chinese and Tibetan fighting styles were more offensive versus defensive. Don't really know entirely. The Quillians and any other sort of enhancements or anything like that typically were made of 
brass. Most of them had plain designs. However, scabbards took on a much more decorative appearance and had sometimes even dyed leather to give it more flair. So you could have like a bright blue if you wanted or a green. It's stylish. Exactly. You're like, oh, it matches. This season green is in. Exactly. Well, no, this season is purple, technically. Oh, oh. green was last season. Yeah, so last season, Emily. Jeez. Oh, gosh. Get a new scabbard for your sword. Oh, Emily. You want to just look like, you want to look like a a fashion snore with your bad sword? Now, see, you said I was bad. And then you pulled My job is to be bad, Liz. (laughs) You don't get paid for this, Emily. (laughs) Neither do you. Oh, why is this the job then? I am the one with the bad jokes. With the bad Don't jokes? Try to step to my game. Uh huh. I own this land. <laughs> I you bought it. it. You own my the money. barrel. Don't own land. You own a barrel. Yeah, well, I own this barrel and I edit this podcast in it. That's actually a very nice barrel, then, if you were able to get Wi-Fi from it. It's got... You don't need Wi-Fi to edit the podcast. It's but got you a, have to upload it, which you do. It. Unless you go to the Mickey D's down it's the road. It's heated. It's a heated barrel. That's I didn't a- upload... I didn't say I uploaded the podcast from the barrel. Why am I yelling? Why are we both yelling? I don't know! Like most swords in the region. <laughs> like most swords in the region. This sword, well, these swords in the one sword sheath home had two brass loops on the scabbard. So, hey, wait, wait, can we call it a, a tward? Because it's two and sword, it's a tward. You're a tward. Thanks. <laughs> You're a big old tward. Thanks. <laughs> I, I, that means I'm two swords. That's better than one sword. But you're, if you're a big old toward then you wouldn't be I'm these two swords. big swords then but you wouldn't be these swords you'd be like I don't know whatever else has two well, swords well that's cooler then is it? is mm-hmm. it? it sure? is I just said so <laughs> so she decrees why don't you support me comedically <laughs> because it's more oh, fun yes this and way. Liz yes and yes and I didn't do good in improv. I turned around, finished telling me about swords. Anyway. Podcast like this now. (laughs) Bye, Emily. Just like most swords in the region, though, the sword had two brass loops on the scabbard, which had a cord fed through it, which would attach to your belt. Again, most swords, uh, especially the Chinese and Tibetan swords, used this sort of attachment basically because it was easier to get it on and off and you could easily stack more swords if you wanted to be like a giant roaming steel pointy stick man wait you could stack the swords so it's like stack soap yeah sort of because the the i mean if you had different length cords i mean you could feasibly do that but I would Does hope that mean you... you could smoosh the swords together eventually to make one big sword because that's how stack soap worked. <laughs> you would like smoosh the old soap into the new soap and then it became a bigger soap. Okay, so explain this process for me then. How would you, if you had, 
two swords and you smoosh them. Are you going to make them. me Google? Are you going to make me Google stack soap in no. the year of our Lord 2017? No, no. What I'm what I'm going to make you do is explain how you would smoosh two swords together to make a, a bigger sword. How do you um, do this? How do you smoosh them? I don't know, but that's something that you can figure out on your own, dear listener. Leave it up to your imagination, because I am not, uh, I don't dictate that. Uh-huh. And then? I would say leave a comment, but there are no comments. Leave a tweet. Tell me. Like, comment, and subscribe. Like, comment, and subscribe, and tell me about how you think, uh, you could smoosh two swords together to make one big sword. Now, see, the way you say smoosh the swords together, I'm just, yeah. like, it's a sandwich. But sure, don't try okay. and eat the smoosh. You can't no. eat the smoosh. It's no. steel and brass in this case. It wouldn't be very tasty. It'd be, it would just be gross. We're going to move on from okay. s- sandwich swords to uh, a more elegant and basically fashion statement sword. Um, again, butchering the name, I will just simply say, uh, Jean? This style of sword tended to be more intricately designed and again was simply a fashion statement and had no functionality whatsoever uh still holding on to the same basic double-edged blade shape with the rounded point these weapons were just a little larger than the butterfly swords uh it was anywhere between a few inches or a whole foot so it could be at maximum three feet in length were these also like two swords in one no, this is just one sword, end of story. Okay. Um, so it's... But the weird thing is they weren't... The blades themselves weren't made any heavier. In fact, they were actually made to be a lot thinner and more flimsy. Again, because no one expected you to use these. No one. They were just there to be a piece of giant jewelry attached to your hip. They were purely meant to be status symbols. It purely. Which... Mm would suck if i mean officials used a certain type of sword that i'm or a certain design of sword that i'm gonna get into it would really suck if you were a chinese official and somebody was just like oh i don't like you i'm gonna go after you you because of politics and stuff it's like let me defend myself oh wait nope can't because it's is like trying to defend yourself with a stick basically it's like a fancy schmancy stick that you have it's more it's like a butter functional. knife Oh, okay, but but like it's large. I mean, it's a large butter knife. Yeah, it's an oversized decorative butter knife for you your toes. You can still injure someone with a butter knife, though. I mean, you could slap them with it, but it's at that length. It's just it would have so much wobble that it would just be more thunderous sounding. Like it'd be scary. Then it'd be an intimidation tactic. Yeah, but if you know any, if you have the knowledge, then that mm-hmm. it means it means nothing. They can wooba wooba at you. As, as much as they want, but it will mean nothing. Hmm. It will mean nothing to your end goal of murder, if that's your end goal. The hilt and scabbards, however, tended to be very intricately carved and designed. Grips could be made of brightly dyed leathers um, and typically were embossed with either family crests or... Uh, you know, the symbol for the dynasty, depending on, you know, which era you're in. It got really intense designs into just the grip alone. 
From there, you had handguards, which even pommels were intricately carved,、uh, taking on、uh, more of a kind of a clover look,、mm. like a three-leaf clover sort of basic shape.、Mm-hmm. But from there, would have different scenes of nature, sometimes even you know figures for, like family figures or religious figures engraved into the metal itself. Mm-hmm. So, each, essentially, each piece could tell its tell a story just by sitting attached to your hip. The scabbards too matched these intensely carved handles with something called fretwork. These sections essentially were open, so you could see through to the blade, like a guitar. Sure. Well, like, like a you know, guitar, there's, there's frets on a guitar. Like people say, like working the frets is like a like a thing, like guitar frets. Yeah, it's just a a very weird visual for me because I'm just imagining here's a sword. Just kidding, it's a guitar. Air, maybe you play air guitar with your sword. Well, you wouldn't be air guitaring at that point if they're actually like guitar strings. No, but I'm saying like no, I'm saying there it has frets. I'm not saying it's a guitar. I'm just saying you, it has frets like a guitar, and so you would like air guitar with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, at that point, I would I would want to put strings on it personally, sword so、guitar. that I could just be like, yeah, or use it as a violin because then you could use the like the sword itself and just start Ooh, going. Ooh, and just the scabbard is the is、yeah. like the thing. Oh, that's very cool. Okay, so you know what? That's gonna be. Sticky note this as a weapon for a bard down the road. Anybody、sure. that wants to play D and D and give、sure. their bard a weapon, <laughs> have、yeah. it be a violin sword. <laughs> I'm always for combining your instrument and your weapon as a bard because, as someone who plays a dragonborn bard with a cello that has just like a knife on the bow, <laughs> it's just like taped on. Yes,、there. it is. Good. You're making a joke. That is absolutely what it is. Good. Oh, bless that image! So, other than the fretwork sections of this, there in between would be、uh, very fancy types of wood, and I say fancy in the fact that it was hard to come by、uh, unless they were,、uh, at- obtained these woods through trade,、mm-hmm. which again would show, you know, congratulations, this person is wealthy and can afford to buy very rare woods. Through trade markets, it's great.、Uh, some of these scabbards too had a very intricate use of color, and they use this through a process called cloisonné, which I had to do when I took metals in college, and it was the worst. There's also a, a They Might Be Giant song called cloisonné that I didn't know what was about for the longest time. Um, well, I still don't really know what it's about because it's a They Might Be Giants song. But then I found out what Cloisonne was, and it didn't make any more sense. Well, for those who don't know what Cloisonne is, allow me to explain explain the process, and maybe this will help you as well, Emily. I am not sure. Go for it. So, Cloisonne is a weird process that uses enamel or basically powdered glass. And would make a stained glass window sort of design.、Uh, thin pieces of wire would be laid out, or sometimes soldered with very high melting point solder,、uh, to a metal base. So these scabbards and these hilts and everything would be preformed out of some sort of a metal. 
and would then have thin wire laid across them in whatever crazy design these people wanted. Uh, from there, very carefully, uh, these little sections would be filled with with the colored powder. Now, you would have to do small sections at a time, fire it so that it would melt, and then continue doing this process over and over and over and over until it was A, the right thickness, and B, you got uh, the different kind of texture that you wanted on it. Because mm. you can overheat it and burn the glass by making it, it's like, when you overheat it, it becomes bubbly and kind of gross looking. So you'd have to be extremely careful on how you heated it and also for how long you heated it. Which, given that time, it might have been hard given the kilns that they had, but they might have had very specific cloisonne kilns and something that was a little bit cleaner or what have you. These designs tended to be more of different flowers or emblems, whatever nature-inspired, essentially, uh, items they wanted. Now, some of these areas could be perp could purposefully have the powders mix to give a gradient sort of look to it. So some flower designs would be like white in the center and then go out and have pink tips or something. Mm. This entire process takes Lord knows how many hours, especially if you're going to do an entire two foot scabbard and yeah, a hilt. Say, you normally yeah. only see cloisonne in like small like pins and, and, and like hairpins or, or that sort of or thing. Or even eggs. Like yeah, yeah. Poisonate like, egg things. Right. Like very small, very delicate work. And then, hey, here's a two-foot scabbard. Go to town, I guess. Pretty much. It's like, good luck. Have fun. Here's a year. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. So obviously this very time-consuming process was another way of showing off. It's like... Look at what I can afford. I can right. afford this great, fantastic art piece. That I mean, it's I what just... a lot of things were and still are now. It's like, oh, look at my big fancy car. You know, it's it's, it's not as it's not better than any other car. It's just fancy. And yeah, fact, it just has like, more things. Right, and in fact, like this sword is a bad sword. It's just fancy. Yeah, sometimes it's, things. It is that literally are not a sword. Yeah, at this some... point. Sometimes things that are expensive are worse. Exactly. On a practicality sort of level. As a piece of art, sure. I mean, that's it obviously becomes more, more of an art piece and less of a practical weapon. At that point, I don't even know if you'd want to call it a weapon. Mm -hmm. Because it's just you a can't... It's just a statement piece. Yeah. You can't really... I mean, you probably could, but would you want to try and murder someone with a butter knife? Maybe if you were really into that for some reason. I mean, that would really have to be your thing. And, I mean, You're how dedicated. many would... Somebody yeah. had to. I mean, really, the only thing I would... Personally, if I had the option, I would just slap people with it. But here's the thing. It's like climbing oh, Mount Everest. Why did you climb Mount Everest? Because it was there. Why did you try to kill this man with an oversized butter knife? Because I could. Because because he was there and so was because my butter knife. He was knife. there and I could. He I, was in 
He was in front of my toast. How else was I supposed to butter the toast? I feel the need to reiterate that Audio Armory does not condone murder. No. I mean, yeah, no, don't... But but this was murder all in the past. Is bad. So all, uh, this was all in the past, so all these people are dead now. Yeah. They are all they all murdered each other at the end. Well, or um, died of old age. People die of old age in the in the olden times. Or disease. I was gonna say probably disease before age. Yeah, no, you didn't live very long. I mean, isn't old age just disease anyway? Okay, no, we're not gonna get this heavy right now. It's not heavy, we're- it's just true. Look, no, because you're gonna you're gonna make you're gonna make people think and realize these things, and it's just gonna be like oxygen is toxic. Just takes like ninety years. Uh... <laughs> Curse you. That's not actually true. Um, or is it? It's not. Or is it? It's not. You don't want to support my comedy. I'm not gonna support your comedy. Welcome to the podcast where we don't support each other's comedy. <laughs> where we where we don't support each other at all, basically. You're Yay. good friend, Liz. <laughs> You're a good friend. You're a good friend. A good friend. Last sword I want to talk about, though, uh, is nothing like the other two at all. Okay. One of these and... things is not like the others, and it's this sword. Yes. And I found it to be quite interesting... Because it seems to be the most practical weapon they they had made. And why they didn't pursue it is sort of beyond me. Allow me to describe this weapon. It is known as a fang sword. This single-edged blade has a bit more protection for the hand. It not only has a downward cross guard so it could catch blades, but also had a knuckle guard to give you protection. Mm-hmm. The other weapons had no such thing. It just sort of had, I don't know, maybe two-inch total sort of guard, and that was it. These things actually would, you know, had a basket, essentially, and would cover your hand. Now, what was really neat about this was the fact that the blade itself isn't just a plain straight blade. It actually has, towards the tip a small hook that protrudes out along the edge towards the point. So it could be used to catch an enemy's weapon and, you know, allow you to essentially gain control of it. Like a Pokeball. Like a Pokeball. Thanks. Gotta catch them all. Thank you. Sort them on. (laughs) Which I... Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you. This is well, welcome to Audio Armory, where we have a touching moment. A beautiful touching moment. You are a good friend. Oh, my heart. Aww. You're a good friend too, Emily. <laughs> Any, anywho, the reason why I choose to discuss this weapon is I feel that there were so many missed opportunities with it. Mm-hmm. It could have become what a would very... What you have done, Liz? I would have taken this sword just, like, through throughout all the ages. It would have... To me, not only is it longer, it go, it's on average about three feet in length, mm-hmm. 
but it allows you to not only be offensive but defensive which none of these other weapons had at all really right those they were all well one of them wasn't really a weapon a good weapon at all and the other one was primarily offensive yeah so it's one of those weird things where i mean yeah it's got a weird hook thing how do you how do you sheath that does it doesn't matter to me it does not matter to me at all though it seems to be sheaths for chinese and tibetan weaponry was very important and it could have been because they wanted to have more of uh i guess more of a story with the weapon itself versus it just being a tool mm-hmm. but i can't say for certain there however i mean depend it really depends on how society was at that time how the culture was what sure. they felt was important versus everything else so to me, what's important is both of offense and defense. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, swords weren't the only weapons, obviously, for these cultures. They had pole arms, uh, spears, like hybrid weapons, like not quite halberds, but sort of, which I'll discuss more in a different episode. But to me, it seems like they missed a lot of opportunities in the evolution of their swords because they just chose not to evolve them at all final rating five out of ten yeah i mean the 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 cool thing is the is the butterfly sword just like want to see a magic trick well bam now it's two (laughs) it's just like i don't know weird magician music in the background that's more exciting yeah i don't really know what that was supposed to be but a sad attempt Emily. It, it was, was out of your heart, sense. and I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it tries sometimes. Yeah. It doesn't always pass the test, mm-hmm. but it tries at least. So that's my little insight on Chinese and Tibetan swords. Like I said, I'll discuss more of their pole arms and other weapons that might actually be more of a, more beneficial in fighting versus their swords, uh, given the range, and maybe they were able to be more defensive with their other weapons. Cool. But until then, you have you a have Bard's that. Tip of the Week for us, yes? I do. Um, I'm going to make it short because I'm very tired. Um, I guess the, my Bard's Tip of the Week is that sometimes things don't work out the way you want them to, and sometimes even though something feels like it's something you should want, you don't, and you should listen to that feeling because nine times out of 10, I would actually probably say 10 times out of 10. Maybe, maybe the one out of 10 is just indigestion, but nine times out of 10, your instinct is right. And you should do what benefits you and your happiness and not what you think you should be doing because some arbitrary reason says you should do it. Yeah. Like, Basically, don't be afraid to say no if, you know, deep down it doesn't feel right. And you it's going to suck. No. It's going to suck. Like, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. It'll be better in the long run versus yep. having it suck for, for, the long, for longer. For a longer. Yeah. For the long run versus the short term. Right. It's like, congratulations, you have a couple days of suck mm-hmm. versus congratulations, you have years of suck. Right. You you got to figure out how to now get out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. 
that'll do it for us this week. I would, we would like to thank uh, Samantha Hogan for the use of our intro and outro music. You can find her work at samanthahogan.com, and you can find her on Twitter at shogan underscore composer. You can find us on Twitter. The show is at Audio Armory Cast. I am at Corrupted Gem. Liz is at Liz Belts. That's Liz with two Zs. You can find, you can email us. Uh, that's audioarmorycast at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, topic suggestions, you know, tweet at us or shoot them to the email. Uh, and you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. That apparently helps. I'm not sure why. Um, but people say that all the time, so I'll say it. And just thanks for listening and thanks for telling a friend about the show. Um, and as always, I have been and always will be your illustrious bard, Emily Cardamus. And I will forever and always be your local blacksmith, Liz Belt. And don't throw rocks at birds. Do not throw them at birds. Liz, I have a very important fact for you. Yes. While we were talking, I looked up Stack Soap on Amazon. Oh, God. So I linked it to you so you will know what I'm looking at. But also, there is a thing on the top here that says customers who viewed Stack Infinity Bar Soap, pack of six, also viewed. And let me just read (laughs) you the top three items. Okay. The Adventure Zone, Here There Be Gerblins. Are you serious? (laughs) Uh, a cool-looking journal, and drop mix music gaming system, which tells me how many people viewed Stack Soap because of the one jingle in a Mabim Bam episode. Oh my god. Far too many. Oh my god.